0: Welcome to Coffee with a Couple Cure, where we share practical tips for your relationship before you finish your first cup. Here's Jay and Lori Pyatt.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode. Today we're gonna to be telling our stories.
0: Yeah, today we're gonna to be sharing the dark side of our story. It's the side we've shared numerous times on interviews. Right. It's all over our web, our initial websites. Uh, if you've listened to episode three and seven, you know how we met and why we got married. This is the other side of the story. Uh, if you've heard it before, then feel free to stick around because we we're trying to say it in a way and in, in a different way. So you might learn a little bit more about us. Right. But if you're, you know, if you feel like you've heard a lot of it, then feel free to move, move on, on. to the on.
1: next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, uh, because it's it's our story, it's probably going to run a bit long, so um, you might need a, a warm-up on your coffee. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, like a lot of guys, uh, I found pornography when I was young. Um, for me, though, once I found it, I knew I had a secret. It was something that I found was fearful of talking to anyone about, and through my teenage years, it was something that helped me to deal with um, things in life that I really didn't know how how to cope with, you know, what to do with them, and again, I was just really ashamed of even talking about it, and I struggled with this through college, I struggled with this through my first marriage, I really felt like it was something that that eventually God, I I always knew it was wrong, but eventually God was really showing me I needed to get this out of my life. And so right before I met Lori, I was really trying to do that uh, and felt like like a lot of guys, that having a healthy marriage with a healthy sex life, that my need for pornography would go away. And so I told Lori before we met that I had an issue with it. I told her that I was working on it. And I told her that we would be able to talk about it. And in those things, I was pretty self-deluded. I did not know how hard it would be to talk to her about it. I didn't know how uh, afraid I was that she would not treat me well. And I used all of that as an excuse to lie, to keep things hidden. So within the first six months of our marriage, I turned back to pornography and not just that, but I started finding women at work attractive. I was not uh, in sexual integrity at all, really for the first five years of our marriage. Um, I had moments, there were times, all of those times were, uh, you know, if, if Lori, well, almost every single time in our marriage, Lori has confronted me or, or found something to confront me with, and we would do the normal stuff. We would go to therapy, I would go to the men's group at church, Um, we would put software on the computer, and if those things work, they only work for a short period of time, and I would return to this unhealthy outlet, this um, lack of sexual integrity in, in my life. And Uh, so this was for the first five years of our marriage between 95 and 2000. In 2000, I came to her the only time in our marriage and confessed what was going on. And for the next couple of years, we really worked on trying to communicate better, but I kept really Laurie at bay um, to some extent. Uh, Our marriage got a little bit better, but not not the way it is now. Anyway, so from from 2000 to 2006, I was not using pornography, but I would I would call it a white knuckle sobriety. I was clean because I was in regular accountability, and um, I would occasionally tell Lori about what was going on for me. I was not uh, really truly open with her, and so some other things happened around that time. I, <clears throat> I took a job where I was on the road a lot. And Lori had become my accountability partner. So I was telling her in the morning, uh, if I look at pornography today, I will tell you about it tonight. And then I would come home at night, tell her that I didn't look at pornography that day. And for a while it was true, and then it became a lie. And it became a lie for almost four years to the point where I was lying to her face daily. Um, And I lied to her at least a thousand times in that time period. So uh, pornography is a symptom of the breakdown in our marriage, but the lying is the real damage that I did. Mm -hmm. The lying, the, the deception, the hidden life. And So in 2010, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I lied to the point that Lori said to me, I don't think you should call this your issue anymore, because from her perspective, I had almost nine years clean at that time, and that was really hard to hear because I was struggling, and I was just praying every day, you know, if I can get if I can get clean of porn today, then maybe I will never have to talk about this with her. And uh, anyway, in 2010, um, Lori confronted me, and I told the worst lie of them all. I, I told her that it was all her fault, that she wouldn't talk to me. And here it was the whole time she was begging me to communicate. And when I would, I, I wouldn't get what I wanted, and so I would shut down again. And finding out you've been lied to a thousand times about something that has been critical and a foundational issue in your marriage can pre- be pretty damaging and, and pretty traumatic. And uh, and I made it even worse because when we were going to talk about it, I would resist, I would blame shift, I would gaslight her, I would... Uh, do anything to get the spotlight off of me and in doing that i was just making it worse and worse and worse because she was begging me to have a healing conversation and here i was just creating new injuries um in the process Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so that that went on from 2010 until about 2013 or so and uh then I finally kind of got on board. So the next two years were um, a lot better. There was a lot of healing done. And somewhere in 2014, 2015, I, I would begin telling people, I have a marriage that I never thought possible. Mm-hmm. I have something with her that's, um, I, I just, it was beyond my understanding because I didn't think a relationship could be this good with as much damage as I had done and there's still work that I'm doing there's still things that I that you know you cannot live that life and think there will be no consequences there are things that we keep in place to to keep me healthy and things that I've had to learn in order to rebuild trust and repair our marriage to the point that Lori has told me that I fixed it. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty significant. I did quite a lot of damage to our marriage. Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, now he'll say, I'm so sorry for what I've done. And I said, Jay, you've made it right. You have made it right. Okay, my part of the story started before Jay and I met when um, I had met, God in a more personal way. And if you listen to episode seven, it got pretty intense. Well, somewhere during that four years before I met Jay, I asked God, you know, what's my purpose in life? And I felt it clearly. Your purpose in life is to have a great marriage and to help other people do the same. So I I mean that it it felt right in me. I was like, yes, this I I've been interested in helping relationships. It's the way I'm wired. That's a good fit. And hey, yay, I get to have a great marriage. I didn't know how difficult it was going to be to get there, and now I kind of know why. Uh, We'll go into that on another episode maybe. Met Jay. You've heard that story. Uh, He did. I, I was very resistant to get married, and... Yeah, I I was very resistant, and Jay told me that he didn't think porn would be an issue in marriage because it wasn't really an issue in his first marriage. So I prayed about it, visited our counselors, our spiritual mentors, and just went for it. There's other parts to that too, but we're trying to keep this (laughs) somewhat short. Got married. We fought about it for the first six months. We stopped fighting about it. Uh, they put me on Prozac. <laughs> and so we stopped fighting about it. And ironically enough, right then, right when we stopped fighting about it is when Jay started finding other women at work, very, very interesting. and he started kind of pursuing them in a way. So like he said, we had several confessions uh, or you know, confrontations where he finally told the truth because I knew something was off. And then he'd confess. So we um, kind of kept in that mode until, like he said, he made me his accountability partner. And I had I had been working on my stuff this entire time. I mean, I had learned about codependency before. I mean, I think I was 20, uh, no, 18. It was right out of high school. I learned about codependency. So I was working on that. I'd been working the 12 steps for probably eight years before, you know, six years before you and I met and uh, was really working them, you know, was cycling through them and continuing to make amends and that sort of thing. So then he had been telling me, you know, he had made me his accountability partner and I then felt something was off. And so I remember it clear as day I was, um, in Target talking to my friend saying, I think something's off. I think he's might, he might have been stumbling the last few months because he's just acting weird. And so she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, what I always do. I ask him about it. And so she uh, encouraged me in that. And I asked him about it. I did it a different way um, using this tool because I felt like this was a big one. And he took overnight to think about it and then he confessed the next day, and that confession was just a horrible, horrible experience. And then the the full truth came out mm, about three weeks later, and it was right at independent. It was on Independence Day, and we had had a trip planned. And I said, "Okay, this means that you've been lying to me while telling me you've been telling the truth. So I need to go away for a while." So I took the trip by myself and. That's why Jay calls Independence Day his his sobriety date, because Mm -hmm. that's when he really laid all the lying parts down. So the next five years was a mess of, well, especially the first three years, was a mess of kind of this ADD-type research project on my part where i would you know we'd run into a problem and i would research the fire out of that problem and try to throw a bunch of solutions at it and some of them would work for a while but then it would stop and i'd be once again on my knees going god if we're going to make it it's going to be you and then that's when a key piece to that to solving that problem would show up then the same thing would happen again we it's like we okay we figured out that issue in our marriage and then another issue would would come to the surface that we hadn't been dealing with for all those years and the same process again i'd research the fire i'd find some tools that work those would work for a while but then god would send you know i'd come to the end of myself and god would send the kind of the reason or the solution to making those other techniques work long term. So this happened pretty intensely for probably about four years. And then it was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're doing a lot better. It's like we've learned we've got new techniques, we know why those things aren't working or didn't work for the first 15 years of our marriage. So then we had I mean, we had long stretches. Then the solution showed up, and we had like three months of really, really good. And I knew we were in the clear. I'm like, okay, that was what we needed this entire time. So we had some room to breathe, and then Jay lost his job, and we were on another adventure. So that's kind of our story, hopefully told in a, a new way. Um, for those who have heard our story before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I I found something interesting. Because we've told our story so often in interviews, this was a different dynamic. When yeah. you started telling your story, I was like, oh man, those were some crappy years. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah. brought a lot of tears to my eyes this time that, uh, uh, maybe it's the, the dynamic of interviewing that don't normally come out, but
1: right.
0: I'm glad we made it, and thank you for doing your side of the work. I do want to say something. When Jay mentioned he had uh, interest in other women at work or lack of sexual sobriety since we were uh, since the time we were married six months, it, he's never had an affair, no, at least that I know of. <laughs> No, I seriously don't think he's had an affair. No. I did truly, truly wonder for a while there, but I do want to make that clear because it uh, didn't want to have him shoot himself in
1: the foot. Right. But for those of you guys listening, understand that in the in our day jobs in in working with people that have been through this issue, the Wives of men that only use porn and the wives of men whose husbands have had affairs, who have been to prostitutes, they all have very similar responses to the situation. Mm -hmm. They've been betrayed, they've been deceived, and they've been blamed for the other person's behavior. Mm -hmm. It's, It's no different. So if you're thinking, no, my porn isn't causing as much problems as an affair would, you're wrong. It's mm-hmm. causing just as much problems as an affair would, especially if you're being deceitful about it.
0: And I do want to add that the porn is the smallest issue going on. The hidden life is a much bigger issue to women Right. or even to spouses, uh, any spouse. And...
1: Then the, all of the gaslighting the everything and blame else, shifting, and all that of that anger,
0: because yeah. once she confronts him for you know if the guy's addicted, once she confronts him, she's about to take away, you know, his his medicine, and he comes out swinging. That's the biggest issue. Yeah. That's even worse than the lying. the The porn and the lying. A woman can kind of stay sane. The other, the everything else is what I call it that's when she starts going insane so you might not agree that um, my response was appropriate i'm going to listen to the experts Um, experts say that it can cause trauma and my reaction was within the bell curve of normal so ultimately we found something to help couples with that so if you don't agree that's fine um we you know yeah,
1: we've seen too much evidence to the contrary and Lori did say the guys come out swinging that is not necessarily not physical abuse, yeah. but um Verbally, the guys mentally, yeah the guys a lot of guys get angry yeah um for a lot of reasons but there's there's an anger component they need to deal with there's a lot of other healing that needs to go on Mm -hmm. And we've taken what was supposed to be a short episode into a longer episode. So at this point, I think we wrap up and say we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.